in the words of the legendary Lou Gellerman, hello dog fans and welcome to the Sound the Siren podcast because everything matters including, and uh, I, I'm rehashing something I said in a little halftime spaces, but uh, as Jim Carrey would say, or to, to modify what Jim Carrey would say, exercising the demons of uh, Pac-12 After Dark with Cal <laughs> and uh and we've got some more demons that I'm very confident this coaching staff is going to exercise down in the desert this Saturday night. Um, as usual, I am your host, Hooligan7. I signed in tonight as Making a Mild Cats, uh, joined tonight by Hood Husky, uh, otherwise known this evening as Domesticated Cats. So he and I were on a similar wavelength. Hood, how are you doing tonight, bud? I am doing phenomenal. I am doing really, really good, man. And I got a surprise for the for the listeners too. All right, Ooh, well, stay tuned for that. Um, without further ado, let's go ahead and, and move on into beverages. Uh, I'll start for now, and uh, I I do have some at least uh, decentish quality H two O, but I also have a Maui Brewing Company uh, coconut Hiwa porter that uh, I'm sipping tonight. Had to get back into the adult beverages portion of recording this podcast hood what do you got tonight bud hey man tis the season for porters and stouts too and as you know they are my favorite um but you know uh having a night game you know allowed me to kind of go out and prepare for the pre-funk and i didn't end up sipping on it so now i get to sip on it um i got some cheap some cheap rum here sipping on some bacardi right now you know what i'm saying uh but also got the high quality h2o yeah gotta still gotta still roll with that yeah. for sure Shout out to uh, shout out to Dom Hampton's dad for calling me out on on, <laughs> on my consistent hydration. <laughs> I didn't see that, but I wish I, I, I had. That's that's hilarious. Oh man, I saw I saw him in I saw him in the team store. He said what's up, and then uh, he just you know he wasn't bullying me, but uh, it was you know he mentioned the the water drinking. You know? <laughs> well, Mister Hampton, thanks for listening to the pod. We appreciate you, sir. <laughs> Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Great dude, man. Great dude. And then on a great day where his yes, out, absolutely so. wonderful. All right, we'll head and head on into stupid tweets. Um, the one that I saw, and it comes from, uh, and it's not a stupid tweet because certainly it's an understandable tweet if talking about Seattle professional teams. But it's from Seattle on tap that said the Seahawks team was by far the best team of Seattle sport of any Seattle sport all time. It was amazing to watch. So special. Um, in reference to the season of Boom or the Legion of Boom, the 2013 Seahawks. Yes, professional team, no arguments there. Um, but as I said in a couple of our GCs the day that got tweeted, I'm sorry, but the 1991 Washington Huskies clear and clear by a, sig- a decent margin. I totally agree. And also, a lot of these lists coming out with like top 50 college football players of all time and stuff. And not having Steve on there is wild, but having Indomitka Sue on there, it's kind of like... Uh, he was okay, crazy. I mean, Indomitka was crazy, crazy good. He was equally dominant. Agreed. Um, however, Steve's college career ended up ended with a win over a top five Michigan team in the Rose Bowl. Uh, I think I'm remembering correctly that Indomitka college career ended with a 19-7 loss to the Washington Huskies in the Holiday Bowl. L. L. <laughs> um, my uh, stupid tweet is, you know, I wouldn't say it's serious, but it's kind of. Um, so we got um, H. Murchison, who 
is a brother that I appreciate. I really love his engagement. I really like what he has to say. Uh, but he got me on this one. Uh, Skip Bayless says, is Dion uh, Colorado now Black America's team? And I quote tweeted it and said yes. Uh, and then he says, one can say that Colorado became Black America's team when they legalized weed. Oh, my goodness gracious. That is multiple layers of yeesh. Stupid tweets. Uh, Jesus Christ. Um, first of all, there's not a lot of brothers and sisters in Colorado in the first place. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, not to not to pick on him there. Uh, I just felt like that was a little, huh? that was an odd tone. But uh, much love, though. Uh, much love to Murchison as well. Hopefully, here's a shout out. All right. Yeah, that's. Like I said, it, it's an ish. That's. I was like, "Ooh, sheesh!" Uh, also, gotta gotta definitely uh, mention. There's a lot of folks out there who uh, think that Texas Tech w- was the best defense that any um, Pac-12 team has faced in out of conference. Uh, you guys are out of your mind. Uh, so yeah, that is wild. Yeah, they're. I mean, yeah, no. <laughs> That's a huge no. no. Maybe a better question. That was a quarterback draw. Quarterback draw. Quarterback draw. I would. I'd be more ready to accept that Texas Tech is the best offensive Pac-12 team faced in the in the out of conference defense. No. There we go. That's at least a a, a take. Like, okay, we can take a look at the numbers. Let's let's see how that shakes out. But um, I don't know about that. Well, we can, I think, move right along into our recap of Cal. And uh, it, speaking of, of stupid tweets and, and, and this kind of, it's a good segue. It's uh, any Duck fans that are looking at the stats from the Cal game and saying, oh, man, uh, UW gave up 500 yards to Cal. And they've got some questions about their defense. And, oh, you know, just play too. Uh, I got into an exchange with somebody about, oh, just play too high safety. And UW can't run the ball. I'm like, just because we we probably are at, I think I haven't looked at the ratio recently at about a 65, 35 run uh, pass run ratio. Doesn't mean that we can't run the ball. We just choose not to. And we've seen some too high safety looks already this year. And like, okay, you're going to try and take away the over the top. We're going to number one, we're still going to pass the ball and we're going to just eat you alive in the short and intermediate game. And number two, uh, I think like in the Michigan state game, granted, not a great defense, uh, but like between Will and Dylan, I believe the yardage yards per carry average was somewhere in the sixes comparable for Cal. Um, yeah, we can run the ball if we need to. And I think personal, you know, and, and shout out here. Uh, we talked about it in some of the GCs uh, with, unfortunately with the injury to Julius and uh, unfortunate circumstances that, that caused the change in the lineup both with the injuries to, to Julius and to Mateo, but the combination of Parker and Garion on our O-line, we can run the damn ball. Oh, yeah, man. I think uh, having that combination there has definitely increased um, our ability to run the ball. Um, <clears throat> a lot of run angles. There are two guys who seem to be able to flip their hips and kind of get there, uh, get underneath, um, so I'll say leverage, get underneath the def- defense alignment, whereas Julius Buelo was more so uh, a kind of a tackle on yep. the inside, uh, more of a protector there. 
Um, but also too, as I'm not like the huge, the biggest like cheer cheerleader of our running game, um, it's all about how effective it is. And, you know, I just saw PFF College mention that, you know, Michael Penix uh, leads the nation in grade um, for play action passes is 38 or 45, 746 yards was his first in the country, seven touchdowns and zero picks on play action. So at the end of the day, you know, if, you know, the run game isn't working, then why are people biting on the, on the play action? So, um, the threat of the run is definitely there. I would say it's not necessarily an explosive run game at, at this point, but it's a very efficient run game, um, a conversion-oriented run game. So still a threat yeah, for sure. It's, a, it's enough to keep defenses honest, and I think certainly we, we talked a little bit about the difference of how Dylan Johnson looked from week one to how he looked against Michigan State. And then I think there was another step forward as he's gotten, you know, every week I think he's getting into better shape or health with the with coming back from the injury there was more explosiveness that he demonstrated against Cal like that first run of once we got the ball with five minutes you know the offense actually got to touch the football 10 minutes in, <laughs> into the game uh shouts to Eddie and uh, to Rome for for their respective housings of uh an interception and uh and punt return but uh, a 15 yard dash basically straight up the gut uh, yeah, this team can run the ball if we need to. Granted, we, we I'm not saying we've placed a, faced a really good run defense yet, um, but this this team can run the ball if we we need to, enough to to keep the pass game open. I mean, holistically, if you you know, we just went against the the best you know pass defense. Um, that we've played all year and um, a pass defense that we'll see throughout the season is going to give a lot of people problems. Um, and we torched him, you know, uh, Justin Wilcox had a look on his face. Like he couldn't believe the high level of execution. Um, it wasn't the fact that, you know, his team was outmatched or anything like that. It was that we didn't give Cal many opportunities to take advantage right. of, whether that was special teams, field position, anything like that. And it was like, there's no way we can get into this game. You know, we're, we're gonna have to bank on them making a mistake and they are hot right now. So, um, to a lot of points that a lot of, um, national CFB media pundits are making where they use words like most dangerous, um, or most consistent or more, most explosive. Um, while we may not, you know, be number one in the country, um, there's not a team in the country that we can't score on. I don't care how many five or four stars you have on there, how many NFL players you think that you have on the team. There's not a team we can't score on. So um, holistically, if you're thinking of, you know, somebody competing with us, you're going to have to score. Um, yeah, and just kind of seeing the, the Cal game um, and obviously the, the, the previous um, three games, our defense is ridiculous. 19 points what, 10 points and then seven points? Yep. And now, you know, our third and fourth stringers kind of, uh, you know, definitely had took their lumps, but that's what they're supposed to do, you know, in conference games right. like this. You know, they're supposed to learn. Um, and it so, was, yeah, uh, defense has really, really impressed me more than And anything. to be clear, that was basically, that was Cal's starters against our third, like, somebody was out there, oh, Washington doesn't have a third string or da 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 I'm like, yeah, we do. You have 85 scholarship athletes plus walk-ons. You have a third string. And when you're up 40 points coming out of the opening drive of the second half, 
you're going to take your foot off the gas and you're not going to risk your best players on either side of the ball. The, the, you know, certainly the offensive play calling got certainly a bit more vanilla. Um, yeah, that was not against a, a full effort or, or the most talented units on, on the defensive side of the ball. So, yeah. Um, second half too. uh, the second half, those third and fourth stringers lost the game, twenty to fourteen, right? No, yeah, twenty to fourteen. So that's the Auburn game. So what you're telling me that our third and fourth string players are just as good as you know the starters on Auburn for four quarters? I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take yeah. it. Running the air out of the ball, like I'll take yep. it. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, anything else that, that stood out to you from Saturday? I mean, so many things that stood out. Like I will say before we get any further in, ta- in terms of like uh, to one of the things that came to mind when you were talking about the best pass defense in the conference. Um, and I will say Oregon's has shown some significant improvement in that area. And it'll be interesting to see what they, what they look like against some good passing offenses, like legitimately good passing offenses that, you know, can protect the quarterback, which the team they just played Saturday can't. Um, you can play really great, great defense against our quarter or against this offense. And Mike's still going to beat you. Uh, the probably, I think maybe my favorite throw of the game uh, was that corner route to Jalen along the sideline. Like the DB was right there and <laughs> perfect ball placement. Jalen makes the catch. It just a thing of beauty. Uh, yeah, just, I mean, I don't know why it seems, you know, like my analysis is so vanilla on the the game, but it's tough. Like, what is there to say that didn't go well? Um, that was the most complete performance. Obviously it was for two and a half quarters, but that was the most complete performance in years. I would say, um, defensively, offensively, special teams, uh, first of all, DBs getting their hands on the ball. Um, that's something, um, I don't really agree with a lot of uh, a lot of the pass interferences that are being called on Mish and, and EJ. Yep. Um, they have their head turned around for the majority of them. I think I might have saw EJ's head not turned around for one PI call this year. Um, so they're doing just fine, in my opinion. But yeah, takeaways. I'll just say that was just the most complete performance. Um, my my favorite play was. Um, I would say the the kickoff, but uh, two wrong plays. So the punt return. Um, and then that uh, center field catch mm-hmm. for sure, where he had to turn and flip his hips and, and make the catch. But uh, that uh, that punt return mainly because of Tristan Dunn and his effort. Um, you know, I'm not gonna say whether some of those were penalties or not, but I saw three or four people touch. You know, how they back touch the the turf. So yep, really really appreciative of, of Tristan's effort. Absolutely. And hey, you know, if if we're getting the benefit of some non-calls, we deserve it from all the non-calls we're getting on on facts. Uh, basically, it's approaching criminal acts that are happening to Breland Rice trying to get to the quarterback at this point in time. Excuse me. Oh, my goodness. Can we get a like, and to that point, how many of the times were Cal actually converted on a third down or on, you know, on, on their two long touchdown drives against our first string defense in the first half? If you look back, were there like not just like oh yeah that could kind of be called a hold? Things that are on the order of yeah that's absolutely a hold every day of the week, and we're not getting the call for it to save our lives. So Kalen won't say it, but I, I sure as fuck will. 
something something I'm definitely noticing too is um, where last year you could have really leaned on your running game to um, to be efficient and effective in in conversion runs. You know, short runs. I'd say like second and six, first down, or uh, third and five, and it was a first down. And and through gaping holes, um, as we've seen through the first four weeks, and we've played some, in my opinion, some NFL caliber running backs. I think Ashton Gentis top three in the country, top four in the country in all purpose yards. Jaden Ott is an NFL player. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, Nathan Carter, potential NFL player. And we've shut all these running backs down. So if you think that you're just going to run the ball um, when you're down 10 plus points in the first quarter, you don't have that option just to kind of lean on us. So we've kind of taken away people's run games early, got them behind, and got them to abandon their run game and try to go into a shootout with us. Uh, that's something kind of different that we've had success with uh, this year that I've seen consistent yeah. um, through four Cal's games. got a pretty good running game. Certainly, like you mentioned, Jaden, not to uh, – well, I'll just – I'll run down the stat line. Jaden, not Saturday night, 14 carries, 40 yards, 2.9 per carry. Uh, Ashton Stradick had some, had a little bit, and Isaiah Fonts had a little bit more success. They were both six carries for 30 yards. But again, a lot of that was against the third string. Even Sam Jackson, who Mm -hmm. we talked about in our preview show last week about like, if he starts the game, contain, contain, contain. Against our, our depth, one carry for three yards. Think about two. If you think about this game and how, what is your offensive game plan coming in to play us? Well, why did Boise State not commit to the run when they have Taylor Green, Ashton Genty, and, and I, I don't know if Halani was injured or not, but <clears throat> when you have a, a an elite running game, why would Noah Kim start throwing the ball and slinging the ball all over the place when you have an elite running game? Maybe because... Um, why would Cal... I was just gonna say, why would Cal start Ben Finley over Sam Jackson this game when you know you're gonna need a running game? It seems like teams realize that we can stop the run, and you're gonna have to pass and keep up with us. Because if you go so, if you go overly run reliant and you don't have an elite level pass defense, you're realizing like our ability to sustain like against this defense, which is proof like even last year was a better run defense than it was a pass defense. You're not. Your likelihood of going down, like your number one, your likelihood of going down the field to score quickly, and having an explosive in the running game is less less the case than than it was in the passing game, and particularly in having to do that multiple times per game to keep up with your off to keep up with what our offense is going to do to you. No, it's people mm-hmm. are passing the ball on that, uh, trying to pass the ball against us because they have to, because that exactly. is the only chance to keep pace with our offense. I mean, and while the first two games might have been like, oh, knocking the rust off for Eddie, you can see teams are changing a bunch of game plans because Eddie is back. Mm-hmm. So, and so, well, go ahead and think you Eddie's back, and so is Zion, and that makes a big difference. And the, you know, I don't think he's filling the stat sheet, but the impact that that Ulumu is making on the interior of our D line cannot be understated whatsoever. I mean, it's just a, an altogether, just a dominant performance. Like that's as clean and 
dominant a half of football as I've seen from a Washington Husky football team in a long time against a team that like, and that's why I made the joke in our, in the halftime spaces that I, I referenced in our intro. It's exercising the demons because Cal has been our bug and bugaboo, one of our bugaboos. And we absolutely just kicked the holy shit out of them. <laughs> it was like, you are not on the, you are not on our level. You are not in our galaxy. Get the hell out of here with your ass kicking and fairly well. I mean, in the and, and speaking of, it's a, it's a pretty solid, uh, segue to i don't know if it's what you were trying to talk about next but exercising the demons do you got any issue going into tucson against it i don't care how much you're looking forward you're looking ahead to the team that you're going to play the next week 21 points against stanford are you kidding me it's not what you know it's not necessarily what i was planning to talk about next but we can get back to the uh, but that's a, let's put a pin in that, and we'll bring that back up as we get into our Arizona preview. Um, first off, let's move actually along into uh, speaking of some some big bodies that have some impressive film, uh, or or players on the defensive side of the ball that have some impressive film. Uh, we'll talk about our two commits. Uh, first is an offensive lineman that's Devit uh, Boyajian, a six six three hundred five pound offensive lineman out of Clovis North in Clovis, California, three-star at a 0.8478 composite. Um, I, I took some time this afternoon and looked at the, the his his uh, game one through four highlights from this year. Uh, definitely saw some good punch, decent lateral movement. Uh, saw some occasions where he can get a little bit high, but probably but evolving as a pass blocker. And if you really want to listen to a good eval on, on David, I encourage you to go over and look at the lock, uh, listen to uh, the Lockdown Huskies podcast. Roman's got a great eval. Um, that he released, I think, Sunday night at, or Sunday, basically shortly after Devitt's commit. But he definitely has uh, some some bully in him. Uh, and my favorite play in his highlight was at about 3.11 of that uh, game one through four highlight film on huddle. Um, helps the guard uh, double team somebody and then kind of peels back to the outside and absolutely buries the defender stepping into the gap. Um he and he and Pocky together, uh, you know, three four years down the line, are gonna they're gonna hurt some people. Oh yeah, bully ball for sure. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit nail on head, man. I'll I'll let it ride with that, man. Um, I I saw one thing that popped out to me was length. Um, you know, at being six five six six, uh, and you talk about playing high. Um. You know, he's going to be taller than everybody, so he's going to have to learn how to gain to, to, to utilize his leverage. But beyond that, um, I saw nimble, quick feet, um, kind of a high-hipped kid, so uh, kind of has a little bit of a forward lean. Um, but to be honest, man, if you, you know, you're throwing him in a room with a bunch of like-sized bodies um, in, in Jaquette and uh, Fa Solo, um, a lot of those guys, man, you letting the cream of the crop rise um, with similar kind of uh, traits. So this is a high traits acquisition um, in regards to athleticism, size, and, and speed and skill. So I, I think the staff particularly, I mean, the whole staff, but, but Grubb and Huff in particular, if they like a kid in the eval, I'm not going to criticize it. And, and if you need proof of that, and it's it's something that I meant to mention in the Cal recap. Um, honestly, some of my favorite plays of the week uh, if you actually asked me in terms of going back and looking at some of the highlight cutups, one of which I didn't notice until the highlights started come out. One of them I noticed happened live and I mentioned it in the space I was talking about. Uh, and that was the, the one that I mentioned 
that I noticed right when it happened was Parker in pass blocking, just absolutely putting a TT on his ass with hand punch, just like, DT started to come at all of a sudden, like, I'm looking up at the sky, mom, on my backside. Uh, So shouts to Parker and then, um, and then also to Nate Kalepo on a, on a pull where he just, uh, he blocked that guy into Pierce County. (laughs) Man, the offensive line definitely moves folks in, um, like you said earlier, man, there has been a, a, a pretty sizable difference between, you know, moving Parker from guard to center and then having Gary uh, gear on um, at guard. Uh, they do they do have some uh, far more success with their run angle. So I'm excited to see the run game take off um, with those two and, and plus Kalepel on the interior. It seems like it's more fitting for, you know, for run yeah. blocking. Um, Kalepel has done a phenomenal job in, in pass blocking, too. But, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, we've given up. Again, everybody that hey shouts. Speaking of stupid tweets or stupid series of tweets or or stupid narratives as a whole, uh, hey Doug, yeah, that interior of the the Husky offensive line is going to be a problem. Is uh, it in the future? Is Come it? On. Come on, uh, or let him. I mean, that, the crazy part is like let him talk. You know what I mean? Like. If anything, I would I would listen to the people that I pay attention all the time, you know. So, yep. uh, moving on to the other commit, uh, and that is uh, Joshua Lair. Sheesh. <laughs> Agreed. Six one, one hundred eighty five pound safety out of Fort Bend Marshall High School, down in Missouri City, Texas. He's a four star uh, at a point eight eight seven nine uh, composite. Um, I've I've only got a couple of thoughts and then I'll yield the floor. Um, uh, Joshua, if you're listening or, or if anybody is in your camp, you need to have huddle edit your highlights, uh, wait for it, that wait for it, pot little pause, like use the arrow, use the lightning bolt, wait for it has no business being (laughs) associated with your film, um, because it doesn't show up in your game at all. And I mean that in the best way possible, uh, he is an aggressive and violent hitter, um, a capital T thumper. Um, uh, and the other quick joke that I'll make uh, in terms of the pass defense, the only time where you might see a little wait for it is, is appropriately waiting for the ball to get to where he's going. Um, but uh, he's got what every real estate agent loves, which is a quick, like a very quick close. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to, you know, shout out Sub K for shouting out uh, a snag and another another young man from Texas. Um, we're really going into um, a hub that has been really, really good to us um, and typically in the trenches. But, you know, we're starting to dig and dive into a lot of the skilled players uh, from Texas as well. So uh, really appreciative of the staff for for really going hard in Texas and obviously the West Coast, but Texas as well. Um, but. In regards to Josh Lair, uh, they say everything's bigger in Texas, and he he brings a lot of big hits, man. So, um, a huge fan of safeties who play downhill. Um, there's a lot of variations of skill sets and safeties, and in modern football, you really, really are going to need a guy who can come down and stop the screen game, come down and get off blocks, come down and help uh, stop the run. Um, as you can see, how valuable somebody like Dom, Alex Cook, Michelle Powell, uh, Cameron Fabiculanen have been. Um, in the run Sorry, game, Kosh. you see the value. 
Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Taj. <laughs> Damn, all love, man. But but you know, got some trash talk from Dom, which who I know is the homie, and then you know you got cartwheeled up by Cam, but all love. Uh, yeah, man. But but there, when you talk about a role, um, there's definitely a role for Josh on this defense, and and to play not only a role but a role that's allowed to play a, at a high level in our yeah. defense. So. Um, when, when you're projecting prospects, you're you're not you know focusing on how many stars. You're focusing on size, speed, skill set, and then how do they fit into your program? You know, so uh, Josh fits phenomenally yeah, on the program. I couldn't agree, I couldn't agree with 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 you more there. Uh, and I think there's multiple roles. I, I can certainly see with that downhill uh, put. You know, get him to to about two hundred five, two ten downhill in the run game but still with the closing speed you need in the pass game uh i also could see him getting some time at husky uh with his open field tackling ability uh that that close yep. speed uh the versatility it's it's something that i know we look for on the offensive line but i think it's also clearly something the staff looks for in the defensive back room and guys that can play multiple spots i don't necessarily think that they are ideally looking for somebody that wants to that can play like all three be like an outside like yeah, I'm sure if you, have, but anybody that, that can play all three spots in our defense is going to be a five-star athlete that you don't see come around very often, period. Mm-hmm. Um, but. And there'll be some, there'll be some availability for some early spots. I mean, you know, we grabbed a couple safeties last year, um, some high-end safeties last year, uh, but losing, you know, Asa and Dom. Yep. Um, it's going to be big, you know, and obviously you got Vince and Cam Fab playing out of their minds, but who steps up and is the, you know, uh, Vince, Cam Fab and uh, Mikhail, but who steps up and, you know, is their backups, mm-hmm. you know, so and, and it's going to be really, really exciting yeah, to see. Absolutely. If and, we, and there's definitely some talent in that room already uh, in it, but you know, it's the, the iron, I, I hate to bring up the same cliche, but it's that iron sharpens iron. And how much do we love talking about the receiver room where we're, seven, eight, nine deep of guys that are, 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 are now, or you can easily just see being dudes. Uh, the defensive back room is going to get that way in a hurry as well. So loved what I saw out of his film. Recruiting booming, baby. But we're not a national, we're not a national brand either. We, you know, are, are you know, it, we're just this quiet little backwater program. Nobody pays any attention. 11 wins last year don't matter. One of the oddest things I saw this week was how you had everybody champion uh, Deion Sanders' comments about um, how high school recruiting has taken a backseat to the portal and it's essentially free agency. And you saw a whole bunch of people comment on, Deion, you're right. Yep, things are going to be built that way. And those poor high school kids and this, that, and the other. And then on the flip flip side, they're the same people that are like high, that are still like high school is the lifeblood. And while it may be, you know, the lifeblood of your developmental programs, a lot of these programs are in win now mode. A lot of these coaches are in win now mode. And that's actually meaning that if you are in win now mode, the portal is the lifeblood of your program. It's not the guy that's going to take, you know, a year, two, three to develop. You know, it's a guy, you're getting a coach in there who wants to take a team from 1-11 and 11 or 4-8 and eight to 9-10, 11-plus wins. So um, it was kind of an interesting, nuanced little thing I saw yep. where people were bigging up Dion for that. But then also in the, in the past, I've kind of talked about 
we need these five stars for this, that, and we need these for so. And I, I, I think there's probably some. I agree with you there, and I, and I agree with the, what Dion was saying. And I think there's actually probably a little bit even more nuance that if you really look at it, um, the nuance is going to be that I think where you're going to, and I think where this will evolve and is heading, is high school recruiting. Your ev- how important your evals are for your big bodies, like your offensive linemen, and to some extent your defensive linemen. I don't know. There's, I think there's certainly more movement of high quality defensive linemen versus high quality offensive linemen because of just the need of the, the cons- and the need of for consistency in the strength and development program and where Washington is as particular as we continue to have success and with the work that coach McKeefree does, we're going to have an advantage in terms of offensive linemen recruiting because we're just developing and putting guys. I mean, there's just a, like, Mike's Mike Penix has been, has dropped back over 700 times at this point and has been hit seven times or has been sacked seven times. That's wild. And I think on the flip side, you have now, I think that they do a decent job of telling you who's gen, uh, um, generally playing well, but PFF has Javon Parker as the highest graded interior defense alignment in the conference. And so that's on the other side of the ball where it's like, you know, those trenches are young and developing. Yep. And according to and according to, to folks out of Michigan, he wasn't even the the, the better skilled brother. Yep. So it was, sky's the yeah. limit there for sure. And, and the point that I that, that I was ultimately getting to in my own long winded tangential way is that you're going to see a lot of like high school recruiting of big bodies is is going to be still remain hugely important, but there is going to be mm-hmm. put in skill positions the market is going to be wide open for, for players looking to move up. And so if unfortunately you mm-hmm. don't see this program land, if I would love to see Jason Brown jr. Be a Husky coming out of high school. Does that mean that like, if that doesn't happen, then I'm going to be out there doing a chicken little, the sky is falling. Absolutely not. Wayne Talapapa this year, Dylan Johnson, Will Nixon. Where, where'd we get those guys? Portal. Exactly. And the and a lot, and and uh, mentioning skill players like first person pots in my head in, in regards to the new opportunity was someone like Trey Sanders, you know, who was a high level recruit, just had a ton of injury history at Alabama with their program, and then pops into TCU and he's he was looking really well. Yep. So that to your point, yeah, that's going to be a lot of you know be a lot of poaching of other programs and things like that, and. Also, too, it allows for the hotbed of top-end FCS players to get those P5, um, G5 opportunities yep. um, and really show out. So, for sure, that, I think that's going to be more so of the lifeblood of college football, good teams moving forward. That kind of 12 to 18 high school guys and then filling emergency spots with portal guys. Top three teams in the conference right now are USC, Washington, and Oregon. Starting running back for USC, Marshawn Lloyd, transfer. Starting running back for Oregon, Bucky Irving, transfer. Starting running back for Washington, Dylan Johnson, transfer. Are we detecting a theme here? <laughs> uh, pretty and, easy. And I, and I got to give you credit because uh, it was something I think you started saying on the TL a year and a half ago about the importance of the portal. It's a Hoodstradamus moment, so hat tip to you, sir. Man, 
Man, man, man. That's, that's, that tends to happen. You too, man, but that tends to happen quite often. Yeah. Particularly in arguments with, you know, certain fan bases that we share states or regions of the country with. <laughs> Not naming. <laughs> I gotta come up with a I gotta come up with a clever a clever one for you too. I'll remember I'll, I'll try to lock that in. Put <laughs> Stradamus. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on into our uh, our look around the conference and do some some predictions as we, we look at the conference games. Um, and we do have a Friday night game uh, to look forward to this week uh, and a really interesting matchup on, on Friday night on Fox Sports 1 at 6 o'clock. We have uh, the University of Utah Utes coming off of an old-fashioned defensive par excellence football game um, and and to be honest a defensive domination of uh, of UCLA uh, going into Oregon State who is a three-point home favorite with the over under at 44 and a half um, what do you think uh, this one's a this is a tough one for me I think I think UCLA's skill players let them down and let Dante Moore down. I think Dante Moore early made enough plays, made enough throws for his guys to get up early on Utah. They just didn't take advantage of them. So once again, as much as I, it's making me start to dislike the Utes, but they are just another you know beneficiary of luck um, in that regard, in my opinion. Um, I do think that UCLA is the better team. Um, I don't think they're a better coach team, but I think they're a better team. I do think Oregon State is a better team as well. Um, and, I, um, and I do feel like, you know, they at least have, have and understand and know their identity, unlike UCLA. And, um, yeah, I, I got Oregon State in that. Um, and I, you said 44? Yeah, under is 44 and a half, yeah. And, and Oregon State is a three-point, is a field goal favorite. Yeah, I, I I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Um, I said Oregon State wins by more than three, and I do think that it is a little bit over the forty-four. Interesting. I see it probably. I don't, and I think my my suspicion is actually on, um, is on Utah's offense. I don't think even hmm. obviously, uh, and shouts out to Washington State. You guys have shown a lot more on offense than I expected. Cam Ward is a different player than a different quarterback this year. Um, I'm but uh, I don't. I, I actually I, I'm going to agree with you on on the team, and I think I'm going to take Oregon State with the home field advantage, and I think that's going to kick their offense into a uh, into a better performance uh, to stay in this game. And their running game, I think, can do enough. Uh, against a very stout and stingy defense on the the Utes side of the ball. My question is in Utah's offense. I don't know that there's enough there for me to see this game getting to 44 points. Uh, this feels very mm-hmm. much to me like a 21-17, if not like a 17-14 14 to 10 kind of football game. Um, you know, last week I said I felt like Wazoo was going to blow Oregon out, Oregon State out. 
Um, while that game ended, the final score ended up closer than what it was, that was, for the most part of the game, a 10-plus point game. Um, I am going to do the same thing, but on the flip side, I think this is a 10-plus point game for Oregon State. Um, I do not I do not believe in Utah uh, this year. Um, I didn't last year, but I don't believe in Utah this year. Um, and I, I did hear kind of rumblings of Cam Rising maybe popping in this game. But even still, I do think Oregon State is a really good team. Um, and I think this year in the Pac-12 is going to come down to matchups. And these two teams are very similar. But I do think if, if a team is similar, you then look at who's going to win the quarterback battle. And I do think DJ is the better quarterback in this situation. And, so I'm going to take the better quarterback in 2023. And I'll take the better running game. And I think I've got more faith in Oregon state's running game than I do in Utah's, particularly on the road in Corvallis. I think if this was in the Musset Salt, oh, Salt Lake city, I think oh. that, that flips things um, and plays into the, like, I think Oregon, I think Utah has the better defense between these two teams. Uh, and I think that that would be exacerbated. And as we saw last week, I think that's exacerbated and helped in is and works in their favor when they're playing at home. I don't think it's as much of a factor on the road. And my, my final thoughts on the game is I'll say, I feel like we need Oregon State to win this game for conference parity, for keeping the excitement and the entertainment in the conference going. Um yeah, with with Utah and all of their out of conference wins, uh, yeah, Wazoo beating Oregon State. I think Oregon State beating Utah would be kind of and, some and it, some and cool. It, yeah, it's, and it is a ranked. You know, it's the Pac ten or the Pac twelve eating itself, or, or actually in this case, it's the Pac ten because well, no, it's not. It's one of the Pac two playing one of the Pac ten. <laughs> uh, but it is a match. The Pac two getting Pac two. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's go ahead and move on to um, what's going to be an interesting matchup. 9 a.m. on Fox Saturday morning, uh, Southern California off of a way, way closer than it should have been win in, in the desert. Uh, goes on the road to Colorado uh, as a 21.5 point favorite. Over under in this one is 73.5. Uh, I'll take the over, and I think SC might get that by themselves. <laughs> You're on mute, bud. <laughs> but what do you think? I know, man. I mean, I can't. I'm not trying to be cackling. You've heard me laugh in real life. That should that be loud? <laughs> My goodness. Um, I think I, I. Well, I know that Colorado is better than or Arizona State. But I will say UCLA, or sorry, USC definitely plays up or down to the level of the event. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think I do think that USC kind of gets up for it. I think USC is a ten plus point um, better team. Um, which, to be honest, I do feel like USC is not. I think they're the third, fourth best team in the conference. So from that perspective. Um, they are susceptible. If they decide to have a bad game, you know, their pass defense isn't great, and Colorado's pass offense is good. First half, first three quarters can be really, really tough. Um, and you're dealing with one of the teams in the country that, you know, are coming in with a chip on their shoulder, and you know that's half the battle 
for 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds is, you know, coming in and being mentally prepared. And uh, that embarrassment, you know, at Oregon, which we all kind of, you know, assumed was going to happen, I think does is going to play a part in this back to back kind of uh, emotional kind of games. So I think they get to that point. The, was it 73? 73 and a half. Over 73. That's a lot of points. Yeah. But is that the is that the the was that Vegas is that them admitting that USC doesn't have a good defense too? I mean, they did just <laughs> give up twenty eight points to Arizona State. Arizona, they gave State, up more points to Arizona State USC. than Southern Utah did. USC, this is going to be the BET Awards <laughs> <laughs> with all the all the celebrities, and they're going to play some crazy stuff in that arena. That's going to be a fun event. But I think USC got that. Um, I don't got really a score, but USC probably scores 50. Colorado probably scores like high yep. 30s. Yeah. Yeah, I could. Uh, I'll, I'd definitely take the over if I was a betting man on this one. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to uh, oh, that team we were just talking about in context to playing USC to much closer than expected. Uh, they go on to our ro- the road to our previous to our opponent from last week. It's ASU at Cal. Cal is a 12 and a half point favorite uh, over under at 47 and a half. Um, I, I'm going to take Arizona state in the points. I think Arizona state showed me a little something granted it, you know, defensive lapses, questionable judgment penalties, what have you bad tackling from USC. Imagine bad tackling from an Alex Grinch coach defense. It's like, we've seen it before. Uh, uh, I just, I can't ever trust California with an over touchdown laying an over more than a touchdown. Cal. No. (laughs) It's so weird, but I oddly agree. I think it, when you kind of analyze these conference games, I think a lot of talent is created equal in their respective tiers, and it's going to come down to the team that can score easiest. And I think Arizona State can score much easier than Cal. Um, I think Cal has the better defense, but you know, are they going to be able to stop Arizona State, especially with Drew Pine? Drew Pine seemed like he was a little bit in more command of that offense um, than Rashad Arborgay was. So I do think that offense kind of takes off under pine um but yeah i got i got arizona state in this one um they may even they may even pull away what what are the points on this it's one you Cal said is a 60, 12 and a half point 50. favorite with a 47 and a half over under yeah i like those points i'll say uh over those or under those points and i'll take arizona state yeah i yeah, yeah. I, I like i said i think cal might win this one with with the home with, the, with I think the home field might play a role in this one, and I don't necessarily. I think Arizona State's going to be one of those teams mm. that they're going to show up and have a good game, and then look like absolute could and I, like going to be very very schizophrenic and just like different you know levels of competitiveness week to week. Um, so I'll take Cal to win this game, but I'm going to take the point Arizona State in the points in terms of the margin of victory. Ooh. Um, how did also how did we not know about Scadaboo? Their running back Scadaboo is nice, yeah. man. Like he is Fi- nice. Don't like he, he don't like a fire hydrant runs hard. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. But we'll move on to the last. Dude, yeah, he's nice. Easy to root yeah. for. Yeah. Um, 
before we, we talk a little bit more about uh, UW going down to Arizona uh, and, and kind of finishing or, or, or one uh, another round of, of, of demons being exercised, uh, we do have a 3.30 game on Pac-12 Network. Um, Oregon is heading down to the library uh, to face Stanford. Sure. Uh, over under at 61, and Oregon is a 27-point <laughs> favorite. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, this is, you might as well skip this one. This gone. This is about to be a disaster. Yep. But this is yeah, going to be a bit. This is going to be a disaster. This is going to be a bigger point spread in favor of the Ducks than <laughs> they put on Colorado last week. I'm gonna just. This is going to be. I, man, I watched the Arizona Stanford game, and it was the oddest. It was like. Stanford's defense wasn't necessarily great, but it was like they were in the way almost. Like they made things kind of difficult. And I just don't see them being able to put back back to back performances. Like I really thought they were um, a little underrated after the Hawaii game. But then after like they lay eggs back to back, I was kind of like, okay, well. But now I think this is a 60 to 20 type of game. Like, I think uh, Oregon is, they're doing something similar to what we're doing. Um, I think they're going to need to to pad some stats. They're going to need to use these games for, for their individual campaigns. And I think this is one of the ones for that. So that they can continue to claim that Bo is bodacious and not been bowed oh or bodied <laughs> by good teams. The only person... The only person on that team that got any opportunity is some is Bucky Irvin and Troy Franklin. Beyond that, and maybe the offensive lineman, but beyond that, let's get over to both yep. stuff. <laughs> He's not the best player on their team. Let him play point. Let him play point guard. You know, let him run this dink and dunk offense until the world's not making the throws. I hope. I hope David Bailey gets to him a couple times. All right. Well, without further delay, uh, let's talk about uh, those aforementioned demons that that I I have confidence that we're going to exercise, uh, and that's our, our demon down in the desert, um, and our bugaboo about playing well in that state. Um, I think that that's not happening again this Saturday. Uh, I've seen a different mentality uh, from this team and this coaching staff, and I think we're going to go in and handle our business. Um, but what do you think? What do you think about, you know, kind of key matchups, projected player of the game or, or key players on both sides of the ball? Um, what are you looking for Saturday night? Uh, obviously, I'd say in a macro sense, I think, you know, we can continue with the theme of exercising demons. Um, I think uh, Tucson is going to be tough to play in, um, warm. But I think we pull this out. Um, now, more specifics, um, you know, with Delora's ankle injury and things like that, you know, Fish said that he'd be comfortable if Fafita played. Um, they're both gunslingers, so they're both going to shoot our corners and our DBs a lot of targets. Um, what I will say, the matchups that I'm super excited for, and I, I believe I mentioned on the TL, is just the wide receivers versus our DBs. Um, while I don't think that they'll score a lot, um, 
and I do have a lot of respect for Michael Wiley and um, and Coleman at running back. Coleman is a beast. Too big to have a single digit, but is a beast. Um, but I but I don't think that we've had a I don't think we've had receivers that have been good enough to win these one on ones versus us. And this is the first um, um, trio of receivers that I feel can win some one-on-ones versus the DBs. So I really want to see um, our DBs up for the challenge. This will kind of give us an indication of how we play versus teams like Oregon, how we play versus teams like USC. And if we can truly trust, um, you know, our past defense has made another step. Um, there will be other offenses that we play that our running game will be on display. But I think our passing defense this is a team that, put up 39 against us and, and pushed us tough in the second half. Mm-hmm. So um, if we are, if we're able to um, kind of struggle with a team last year and then blow the team out this year and show, you know, we're not the same team, even though we won the game. I think that's the ultimate goal here is just to show that yep. we're a very different team built differently past defense. Yeah, I agree. And me. I think we saw, we, we did that. I mean, last year we beat Cal by a touchdown. <laughs> This year we beat Cal's ass, left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. Like, and I think particularly, like we talked, we've talked about it with in the Boise State preview and the Tulsa preview, and talking about Cal with Sam, you know, projecting Sam Jackson to start at quarterback. That one of the things that we we would worry about this defense is a mobile quarterback. But if Delora is their starter and plays with the ankle injury, he's not going to be as mobile as he normally is. And this team has a little bit of a. I still don't think they've forgotten what happened at the end of the 2021 season. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, mm-hmm. he can be there. He has games where he's very, very good, but he's got that gunslinger mentality. And I think this defense is in a much better position to capitalize when he makes a mistake and even to go and win. I think I'll say, I, I don't, I'm not super necessarily confident that if the majority of the 50, 50, you know, kind of jump ball scenarios are against Tete Roe and McMillan. I think that's going to probably be advantage Arizona as good as their other receivers are. McMillan is the only one that really, really scares me in terms of size and, and, you know, in that kind of situation. Um, and I think with, with the, the safety play that we've seen that we've talked about this year with cam fab and with Vince and with Dom, it doesn't scare me as much as it used to. <laughs> I'm less frightened as Agreed. I was last year. And while Arizona's defense has played better, Arizona still also hasn't really played anybody. They haven't, you know, like I'll readily acknowledge Arizona from an offensive matchup against our defense is absolutely a step up in class versus anybody that we've played yet this year. That said on both sides of the ball, the Washington Huskies are a step up in class, if not several steps up in class from anybody that Arizona's that Arizona has played this year. And last time I checked their defense was still coordinated by Johnny Nansen. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, these guys put up what? 21 right. points for Stanford, 24 points for Michigan or Mississippi state. Unfortunately, they're not the same offense that we saw last year in regards to efficiency. 
Um, and I don't really think they took a step down in talent so much. Um, I think uh, Montana Lamonius Craig is very similar to Dorian Singer in, in his skill set, and they're not really able to utilize you know their three receivers the way they did last year. Uh, Cowing looks, I wouldn't say regressed, but he definitely looks like a different receiver as their number one. Um, but what I would, what I'm really watching for is to see in which Arizona shows up. Um, I kind of, I kind of want to see our, our DBs tested for sure. Um, I definitely want to see that. Um, one thing I think that's getting understated for sure, uh, is, um, we, you mentioned pre-show about, uh, potential races and, um, Speaking to just kind of Chuck Morrell and, you know, Will Inge, just the job that they've done um, with getting these guys prepared week in and week out, you can see the differences from year one and year two significantly. Um, you know, I made a joke in our, our GC that you're seeing DBs bait quarterbacks. They weren't able to play confident and comfortable and fast enough last year because they were still learning a lot. They weren't able to, they weren't, you're not able to bait if you don't know what's coming. You know, and now they're able to do that. We're seeing a lot more variations of simulated pressures. You know, Michigan State game, we saw the announcer, you know, say, oh, there's eight in the box. They're coming. And then we brought three. So um, we're making it hell on these quarterbacks. And if there's anyone that gets flustered when he doesn't know what's going on, it's Jalen Delora. So, um, and he, uh, so I definitely think that, you know, with that benefit of how our um, uh, that buy-in year two and how our scheme has kind of evolved, I definitely think it's going to make it a lot easier on the DBs. So that's where I think we win the battle. Um, Dolores not going to know, or Fafita, or Fafita. I mean, Fafita's talented, know what's but isn't going to know what. This is not the team you want to be thrown to. Yeah. You know, thrown to the your first collegiate start. The world. Having to keep up, like, hey, At congratulations, all. here's your first collegiate, you know, significant collegiate, you know, playing time. Uh, keep up with Mike Penix in the Washington Husky offense. Ready. <laughs> uh, that's a, a ready set. Which oh, is why shit. This was... uh, oh, shit. Ready, set, L. If you guys remember, uh, and I'm pretty sure you did too, uh, this was my preseason mm-hmm. loss. And uh, sorry, but I was wrong. Um, this is not the same Chris Peterson. This guy is going to have my number. Um, this is a take no prisoners. I don't got no friends type of coaching staff. And I appreciate it. I don't think I've been familiar with this vibe or this feeling in a very yep. long time. Uh, so all the exercise and demons. Yep. Oh, yeah. We're going to the big, yeah. With all these superstitions, yeah, I, uh, I completely agree and and could not agree with you more. Um, I think this coaching staff is not just like they don't just want to win; they want to beat that ass. <laughs> just up, uh, like, come on. What did you say last year? Uh, uh, uh you were you you were like uh, Kalen and Ryan have like a or, sociopathological approach to the kind of or I don't know if it was me but somebody <laughs> said it but it's uh Kalen is now um I think he's what 95 and 11 in his entire coaching career he is now 15 and 2 or no excuse me uh yeah no 15 and 2 as the head coach at the University of Washington um 
put a smile on his face. And everybody like <laughs> and, like I, I I think one of my favorite I don't know if you saw it because you were at the game last week, but uh, and I don't even remember the context, but I think it was Josh Cuevas. Like they had Cuevas or, or Kalen mic'd up in the pregame, and something happened, and it's like oh, I don't know what I don't want to go co- talk to coach. I think he's gonna kick my ass, and he's and Kalen was just like, "No, nah, man, it's all good. I, I loved it. It's all good." Like just the the I think that the nickname for that we might have to give Kalen is the is the jovial or genial assassin. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. He's so he's so like even keel and like I'm not gonna say unpredictable, but he, you will not see that man sweat. You know, like there is like an accountability profile there and a I'm confident in my yep. process like thing. And it has in the us versus us thing embodies that so well. Like it has nothing to do with anybody else. Like we are crazy about this. So if you're not crazy about this, we're running through you. So it's it's a little different vibe on my leg than I think a lot of fans have been accustomed to. Even the Jake Browning, you know, 2016, the, the while the team may have been good and talented, the mentality of it was still this underdog yep. kind of thing. That shit is gone. Sorry. We are not underdogs. <laughs> you can uh, I believe it, or it if it's not, it used to be um... – it's not anymore, but I tweeted a couple of years ago um, something to the effect of a Washington Husky should never be an under should never act or be an underdog, and the staff like I, I'm not trying to like pat myself on the back and be prophetic because I didn't see the staff coming, but goodness gracious, thank goodness they're here because it's just a beautiful thing because like there's just. It, it, it's what, you know, anybody that, you know, you know, as, as, as one of our episodes last week where we talked about our history as Husky fans, um, you know, I came from an era where we weren't under, like, they wore it with their, you know, they said it with their chest and went out and proved it. And like, it's, it's kind of that come again, but it, it's just it's it's an amazing thing to see, particularly after two or three decades of oh well, I don't know, and that it's just and it's not even that they're mm-hmm. it's not like I would say that this you know to to talk about the this the Legion of Boom era Seahawks where they you know talked and they said it with their chest. It's this team doesn't really talk about like they're not out there overly trash talking to the extent that that the Legion of Boom Seahawks were. They're just, we're going to talk with our play. And you're not on our level. And we're going to prove it from from the word go. Uh, What I will tell you is, while I I agree with you to a point, but if you watch Rome after every catch, he's... He's standing over dudes, staring at them, so they not make eye contact. Jalen, they're not talking trash. You know what I mean? Like, they're not. It's it's just like, we are running through you. Like, we don't care who you are. Jalen Polk getting up, uh, celebrating and flexing on people. Jalen McMillan. It's a similar kind of confidence. 
it's just it's a little bit of a different style. Mm-hmm. And and I say that as somebody like mm-hmm. I loved ev I um this was actually well before the the G, any of the G season before any I, I knew any of you guys. What I loved and love about Richard Sherman is for a city that is so old school, passive aggressive, but has um, confidence and, and you know, love for the, you know, like we very, very like it, it, it and like, and why that team fits so perfectly with our city and was so good for our, for our city was that we, you know, it, the, the, the stereotypical Seattleite. It's like, oh, I don't want the spotlight. I don't, da, 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 you know, just, but, but then like, they won't say it, but then anytime anybody like is critical, they're like, no, 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 like that, that's fucking bullshit. Here's why Seattle's great for that team at that time to just be like, no, we're the fucking best. And we're going to fucking tell you about it. And like, it's a, it's a different spin on it, but what this team is doing echoes that in, in some very, meaningful ways and is so much fun to watch. Agreed. Agreed. I, I feel like these guys are, are built obviously, um, you know, their head coach's personality and their, and Ryan Grubb's personality is resonating, you know, through them. Yep. So it's that kind of us versus us. Comp- but I see a lot of the, you know, the Marshawn Super Bowl media week kind of That's vibes in these great- guys. Where it's like I'm just showing up, and I'm about to f That's you that. up, and you gonna feel me, you gonna remember me when I see you in the NFL. I'm gonna talk about when I dominated you at UW, and I'm gonna dominate you today. Perfect. You know, it's like a it's it's hard to describe. It's a cocky confidence. You know, like it's it's super hard to describe. Like Kalen always got this smile on his face, but there's a oh. snarl there too, and you're like what the hell? Like, is he happy? Is he, he's just going for it on fourth down. That's all. <laughs> yeah, he, We don't take it. We don't take breaks. Like that's, that's such a great point about like that. It's um, that it, and I think likening it to Marshawn, to, to Marshawn and his confidence uh, without like, I don't know that anyone on this team is, has the sense of humor that Marshawn does or just the, like the, <laughs> I'm going to be me at not only like at volume 11 at volume, like 25. And Marshawn is one of my favorite Seattle athletes of all time. If not my favorite, I don't see a Marshawn <laughs> on this team, but that's because Marshawn is there's, there is one beast mode hey, and it is Marshawn Lentz. And like, there are no, there are no substitutes. <laughs> Hooligan, I'm going to tell you right now, if you pull the wide receiver room, maybe even the offense, I'm pretty sure J-Mac is a, is a goofball, bro. <laughs> like, he's, he's got to be the, the like, hey, hey, Jalen, man, come on, man. He, I heard he's the goofball, the joke teller, ain't taking nothing serious. But, yeah. anywho, Arizona getting their ass whooped. They don't have, like, <laughs> they might have, yeah, like, yeah. We've gone on on several tangents here, but they don't have anywhere near the capacity to cover three number one receivers. <laughs> no, and make no mistake about it, we we don't have At wide receivers. You know- like Rome is on a different level right now. 
I think Rome's top five in all purpose yardage in the country right now. And shouts to the steps that he has taken in his development. Um, but I also uh-uh. will ref- refuse to say that like that Rome is wide receiver one, Jalen McMillan is that J Mac is wide receiver two and Jalen Polk is wide receiver three. We have three wide receiver no, ones and that's the end of the story. Come on. <laughs> And we bully your CB1, safety one. Yep. We bully all. Uh, so actual score predictions. Um, Whiskey. I'll go first. <laughs> Hope everybody's got an appetite. <laughs> burgers! Because it's going to be another 50. Hey, man. 50 burger coming. Um, I must say, I will say... I'm going to say 56-21. Word. Because uh, that was relatively close to me. I had a field goal on that. Uh, I got 59. So I got 59-24. And I don't have, like, I got very similar to Michigan mm-hmm. State in the first half. Yep. You know, where it's 28-3. to or 35 to 7, and then, you know, we get a half a quarter, and then this is going to be a yep. two-and-a-half-quarter game. Yeah, we're not playing – we're not going to need to play four quarters until October 14th. And yep. if then. If that. If, no. if that. Agreed. If that's that. going to be a fun conversation to have next week. <laughs> we'll have two weeks to talk. We're going to have two weeks to talk about that one. If that. We, we sure do. I'm getting it started. What? All right. Well, a- anything else that you'd like to say or any, uh, any other key things to, to look for Saturday night? No, not really, man. Uh, shout out to Dom's dad again for calling me out on my diet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I actually I did forget. Um, in case you missed it, uh, we do have uh, Sound the Siren merchandise uh, that if you'd like to, uh, yes, if you'd we like do. to support us and uh, and represent some 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 Sound the Siren swag, that can be found. Redbubble.com slash people slash hooligan seven s e a. Go dogs. You can support this podcast at podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash sound the siren pod UW slash support. Thanks. Go dogs.